Good morning. When uh, Brother Matt texted me and asked me if I could speak because Danny wasn't feeling well, there were a couple of things I was thinking about, and I decided to go ahead and put it in lesson form. You know, this uh, country, we're going through an election right now, and it's kind of stressful, and it's kind of going to be a fight, and don't worry, this sermon is not going to be political at all. It's just something that we're going through right now in this country, and it got me to thinking about some things. You know, I don't know where you stand politically. It doesn't matter for, the, uh, for this lesson. We're not going to get into any of that. But there are things that are going on in this country that seem to be a little bit uncomfortable and make it even more uncomfortable as we go. But what we're going to talk about this morning is our citizenship. You know, we take citizenship very, very pride. We fill it with pride. We're proud to be citizens of this country. People in Europe are proud to be citizens of Europe. You know, that's something that we take great pride in. It's something we keep close to our hearts. It's something that we want to be known as. You know, there's a joke that you can tell it when a Texan travels because anytime they go out of the country and they ask you where you're from, you say Texas. You don't say I'm from the United States. I'm from Texas. It's something we take pride in. But is that all the only country we're a citizen of is the United States? What does the Bible have to say about citizenship? You know, there are certain rights that citizens have in this country. But is this the only thing we're a citizen of? You know, people, like I said, people take pride. There's flags of all over the world. And people take pride in being citizens of those countries. What does the Bible say about citizenship? Let's look into it real quick. We're going to start in Ephesians 2 and 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This scripture says we are no longer strangers or foreigners. You know, there's ways for strangers and foreigners to be able to live in this country. You can get visas. You can get green cards. There's certain things you can do to live in this country without being a citizen. But the Bible here tells us we are no longer the strangers or foreigners. We are citizens. So as being a citizen, we are a citizen of the kingdom of God. That means we have certain things that we get out of that. And we are citizens of God's country and God's kingdom. Now, how do we become a citizen? You know, in the United States, if you're born in the United States, you're automatically a citizen. That's just the way it is. You know, when my kids were born, we had to fill out paperwork so they can get a Social Security card. We had to send in their birth certificate. That way they could be recognized as citizens of the United States. The lady that came in and told us to fill out the paperwork said, be very careful, make sure you fill everything out the way you want it to be, or else you're going to have to go through the trouble of changing their name or whatever you want to do if you fill it out incorrectly. That's important. We want to become citizens. You know, there's people that move here from other countries that want to become citizens, and they got to go through a process. First, they got to fill out a U.S. citizenship application. It costs money. It takes time for the application to be reviewed. You may have to go to court to review certain things. You might have to hire lawyers. And you got to go through the application process. The next thing you got to do is you got to take a U.S. citizenship test. You got to go in and take a test to become a U.S. citizen. You got to pass a test in order to do that. The next thing you got to do is you got to go through a ceremony where you take the oath of citizenship. 
And then finally, after all this process, you get the certification that you're a U.S. citizen. This whole process can take years and years and years. I had a guy that I worked with that was from Europe, and he decided he wanted to become a U.S. citizen because all of his family was over here now, and he decided to go through that process. It took him six years to go through the process, and he spent almost $10,000 to do it because he wanted to become a U.S. citizen. That's what he wanted to do. Well, how do we become a citizen of the kingdom of God? Is it something that's going to be this lengthy process that we have to fill out an application, we have to take a test, then we have to swear an oath, and then finally we become a citizen? Well, let's find out what it says here. First of all, in Acts 2 and 38, he says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This was right after Peter gave the first gospel sermon here. And they asked him, after he got through, the people asked him, what shall we do? What are we going to do about this? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then if you skip down to Acts 2 and 47, he says, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. If you repent of your sins and are baptized, you are added to the kingdom of God. It's not something that's going to take a huge, lengthy process. You don't have to fill out an application and then wait for the application to be approved. You don't have to take any kind of test. You repent of your sins and you're baptized, and God will add you to his church, which is the kingdom. That's how you become a citizen. There's no huge process you have to go through. You know, I was at Mardell's when we were I was shopping for more of the pre-filled cups. And in that section, they have a thing where they have a couple of papers where you, for churches to buy. One of them was an application for membership, and then the other one was a certification for membership. If I don't fill out the application and I don't get that certificate, does that mean I'm not a member of the kingdom of God? No. He didn't say you have to go and apply and be approved, and then you get your certification papers, and then you're a member of the kingdom of God. He said you repent and you be baptized for the remissions of your sins, and he will add you into the church. That's how you become a citizen. The next thing we want to notice is being a citizen is precious. You know, we talked about how people work so hard to become a citizen. It's something they take very, they have great pride in once they do it, and they hold it close. They make sure they keep all that citizenship paperwork, and that way they can prove their U.S. citizens if any problems occur. Our citizenship is precious too, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once afar off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. Far off, that means we were strangers and foreigners. But now we were brought near by the blood of Christ. There was a precious price paid for your citizenship. It's something we should keep close to our heart. It's something that should be precious to us. It's not something we should take for granted. You know, if you're born in this country, sometimes you take your citizenship for granted. Do we take the citizenship in God's kingdom for granted? Is it just something we do? Is it just something, well, I go to church on Sundays and it's just something that I do? Or is it something we keep near and dear to our heart that is precious to us, that we protect? You know, the Bible tells us, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You can gain the whole world, and what good is it going to do if you lose your soul? Your soul should be the most precious thing, not your citizenship to the United States, even though I believe we can take pride in that, and that's fine. 
But our most important thing should be our citizenship in the kingdom of God. Because it's very, very precious. It's something that we're not going to be able to survive in the end without. If we look in Daniel, you may think this is kind of a weird place for me to go here. But hopefully by the time we get through, you'll find out, you'll realize how it fits in. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about this statue. And he called all of his men, and they, he asked them what the meaning of the dream was, and they couldn't tell him. So he called Daniel in, and Daniel called, told him what the meaning of the dream was. He saw a statue that was made of different parts. The head was made of gold, the arms and breasts of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, and then, of course, the feet were clay, iron mingled with clay. And he said he saw a rock that was carved without hands, came and hit that statue and took it over and filled the whole earth. What does this have to do with citizenship? You know what all these kingdoms have in common? It says that the, the, the head of gold was the Babylonian Empire. The Medo-Persian Medio Empire was the arms and silver of breast. The belly and thighs of brass. The legs of iron were the Roman Empire. And then the Holy Roman Empire is the feet of iron mingled with clay. You know what all those civilizations have in common? They no longer exist. Does the Roman Empire exist today? Does the Medial Persian Empire exist today? No, they don't. You know what? There may come a day where the U.S. United States of America doesn't exist in the form that we know it today. The land will still be here, but it may not be known as the United States. You know, I could still go to Rome and see artifacts of the Roman Empire. That doesn't mean that the kingdom is still alive and well today. But what was that rock Daniel was talking about? Well, let's look into that. We know that the kingdom of God is eternal, and that's what he was talking about when he was talking about that rock that grew and enveloped the whole earth. So let's talk about the kingdom of God being eternal. Your citizenship is eternal in the kingdom of God. In Psalms 145 and 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The kingdom of God is everlasting. It's not going to end like the Roman Empire ended, like the uh, Empire of the Medes and Persians, like the Empire of Babylon. It's not going to end. Even if the United States government ceases to exist, the kingdom of God is not going to cease to exist. It's going to go on forever. If we look at 2 Peter 1 and 11, it says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everlasting, it's not going to end. You know, there may be a day where this nation ceases to exist. If this world spins long enough, it's probably a likelihood that's going to happen. Because all these great civilizations that we talked about in the book of Daniel, they were the best nations at the time. You know, the Grecian Empire at one point, Alexander the Great, it said of him that he looked out and he was sad because there was no more of the world to conquer. They had conquered all the known world. And you know what? The empire of Greece no longer exists. Now, there's a country in, for Greece, but it doesn't exist in the form that it did where they ruled the whole known land at the time. But this kingdom is going to be forever. It's not going to go away. 
There's not going to be coups and riots and people trying to overthrow the government and take its place. That's not going to happen. This kingdom is going to be eternal. In Luke 14, 25 through 33, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You know what? We talked about people spending thousands and thousands of dollars to become U.S. citizens. There's a cost to being a citizen. Now, here it's not going to be a monetary cost. But it could cost you things to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we need to account the cost because he compared it to somebody building the tower and then not having the funds to complete it. You know, my uncle, he runs a hay business, and he's a cattle rancher, and he decided he was going to build a barn to store his hay in. And the barn he built was more like an awning, and he, didn't, he wasn't going to put all the sides around it. He just wanted something to cover the hay. Well, my dad always gave him a hard time because he only said he built half a barn. He didn't count the cost and wasn't not able to finish. And I goes, no, that's the way I wanted it to be. Do we count the cost of what it could cost us? to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? Let's just look at some of the things it could cost us. Relationships. It could cost us relationships with our family, with friends. It could cost you relationships with any number of people. People may not want to be associated with you once they find out you're a Christian. It could cost you something like that. Reputation, you know, right now, our reputations may not be good. We're considered bigots. We're considered, we don't tolerate. We're intolerant in this country today. It may cost you that. You may not have a good reputation that's according to what the world defines reputation as. As being inclusive. It could cost you work or money. You know, we may get to a point where people don't want to hire Christians. It could cost you that. It could cost you something. Our freedom. You know, there's people that get arrested for being Christians, and maybe someday that'll happen in this country. You know, that's what Saul was doing in the, old, in the New Testament. He was putting people in jail for being Christians. He went and sought letters that way he could go to different places and put Christians in jail. It could cost you your freedom. There's parts of the world right now where it's illegal. You know, in the Middle East, there were two girls that were arrested for having Christian paraphernalia. I always assumed paraphernalia was something bad, but they said that Christian paraphernalia was a reason to put them in jail in the Middle East. It could cost you that. It could even cost you your life. 
You know, in the New Testament, we read of several Christians that lost their life because of their beliefs. We know all the apostles except for John died violently. That's what history tells us. It could cost you your life. Are we willing to give that up for our citizenship? You know, there's people that serve in our military that give up their life for our rights. Are you willing to give your life for the citizenship in God's kingdom? Let's see what the Bible says about what we give up. Let's look in Luke 18 and 28. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So you hear Peter saying, we gave up all that we had to follow you. What are we getting out of this deal? We left everything behind. We left relationships. We left our houses. We left our jobs. We're going to end up being persecuted and possibly put to death. What is it that we're going to get out of this deal? He was thinking about him, but what are we going to get out of this? Let's see what Jesus said. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who should now receive many times more in the present time and in the age to come eternal life. He said, you're going to be recompensed for what you give up. It may not necessarily be in this life, even though being a Christian in this life will be better off for you. Because you may not be rewarded with another house or with another job or with another family in this life. But he says you will have a reward in eternal life. Something that's not going to end like we talked about. You will have that reward. It'll be worth whatever you give up to have that reward. If you give up your life, it'll be worth it. You know what? We do things in this life to make sure we live longer. We go to the doctor. We do physicals. We work out. Well, some of us work out. We do all that. That way maybe we can extend our lives. That's important to us. How important is eternal life? Is it important as this life? You know what? I'm here to tell you today it should be more important than what happens in this life. You know this political process? It may not necessarily go the way you want it to go. But you know what? That shouldn't be the most important thing, do you? You know what? God's gonna, kingdom's going to exist no matter what happens with that. You're still going to have citizenship in God's kingdom no matter what happens with what's going on in the country today. Regardless of where you fall, regardless of how you feel about it, nothing is going to change the fact that you have a citizenship in God's country. You cannot lose that unless you voluntarily give it up. You know, there's people that give up their citizenship all the time. People that want to become citizens in the United States give up their citizenship sometimes to whatever country they're originally from. And we can give up our citizenship in God's kingdom. But nobody's going to be able to take it away from us, no matter how hard they try, no matter what laws they try to put in place to hinder us. They can't take it away unless we give it to them. It's an eternal citizenship that we should keep close and we should protect with everything we have and be willing to give up no matter what it takes to keep that citizenship. You know what? The price is too high for some people. They don't want to pay the price, and they decide to give up the citizenship. You know, there's some people that start the citizenship price, process to get to be citizens in the United States. It starts costing them too much, and they give up on it. 
Don't give up on your citizenship in God's kingdom, no matter what it costs you, because in the end, you will get a reward for no matter what you lost. That will be worth it. So our citizenship, what have we learned about our citizenship this morning? Number one, it's precious. It should be something that we hold near and dear to our hearts. It should be something that is worth protecting. It should be something that we don't want to give up. We should want to hold on to this citizenship with everything we have and be willing to give up everything we have. Now, you necessarily may not have to give up everything you have, but are you willing to if it comes to it? It is eternal. It's not going to end. This country someday may end. It may be driven into the dirt by the politicians. It may end up being taken over by another country. But the kingdom of God is going to last no matter what happens here. There could be a cost for it. You could have to give things up, as we talked about. We should be willing to give up whatever we have. You know, the Bible compares it to a treasure in a field, a great pearl, that when somebody found it, they went and sold everything that they had to buy it. That way they could have it. Is that how precious the kingdom of God is to us, that we'll give up whatever we have to give up in order to obtain citizenship in the kingdom of God? It should be that important to us. Regardless of the cost, we should be willing to pay it because the reward will outweigh the cost. You know what? Sometimes we forget that this part of the country we're in is temporary. You know, regardless if the uh, United States exists until Jesus comes back, eventually it's going to end no matter what. Eventually it's going to be burned up with the rest of the world. But the price you pay gets you into the eternal kingdom with a perfect king that you don't have to worry about a political process, that you don't have to worry about being overthrown, that you don't have to worry about the country eventually not existing. It will be there forever, and it will be worth everything you give up in order to obtain it. Now, with what is going on in our country, like I said, I'm not going to get political this morning because I don't believe it has anything to do with this sermon. But regardless of what goes on with this country in the coming months, years, 20 years down the road, whatever happens, you have a citizenship that is way more important than the citizenship to the United States. And a lot of us hold that very dear. And I'm not saying it's wrong to hold your citizenship in the United States close to your heart. I'm not saying that at all. But our citizenship in the kingdom of God should be more important than any citizenship here we have on this earth. Because just like in the time of Daniel, when all those countries and empires are now destroyed, eventually every kingdom on this earth is going to be gone. It doesn't matter if you're one of the superpowers, as they say, or one of the third world countries, eventually that country is going to be gone. But the eternal kingdom of God will be here forever. forever. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our mind about the, around the term forever because nothing lasts forever on this earth. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our mind around that. But God's kingdom is forever and the joy is forever. And it's going to be a good place to live. You know, the Roman Empire wasn't a good place for Christians to live. 
Sometimes in this world we have places right now where it's not necessarily fun to be a Christian. You look in the Middle East, you look in Nigeria, you look in India. There may be progress that's going on, but it's still not necessarily a very fun place to live. They're giving up things. It's costing them something. It may come to that in the United States one day where it's not very fun for Christians to live. You think it was a fun time to be a Christian in the Roman Empire? I don't think so. But they have stories in history of people dying, singing songs to their creator. They have people dying, praying to their creator. Why? Because they know the reward was worth giving up whatever it took to get that reward. Are we willing to do that? Even if it becomes a place in this country where it's not very fun for us to be Christians, where it could cost us our freedoms and even our lives, is that something you're willing to give up for the kingdom of God? Because in the end, in eternal life, you're going to either be a citizen of the heavenly kingdom of God or you're going to be a citizen of the fires of hell prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are the only two options. You're not going to be able to have dual citizenship. It's not going to be like, oh, I don't enjoy hell, so I'm going to use my citizenship to get into heaven. It's not going to work that way. In eternal life, you're going to have the option to be a citizen of one of those two places. And if you're willing to pay the price here and give what it takes, you'll be a citizen of the eternal kingdom of God. And you'll live with God forever in that perfect place where we don't have to worry about anything. But the most important thing is you have to start out. You have to become that citizen of God's kingdom. You have to repent and be baptized for the remissions of your sins and be added to the kingdom of God. And then do whatever it takes to keep that citizenship. Maybe you started that road and you've kind of given up your citizenship on the kingdom of God because the price was a little bit heavy. You can always get back into the citizenship of God. As long as you have a breath in your body, you can come back and be a citizenship in God's kingdom. You know, that's the good thing about God's kingdom. In the United States, there are certain things you can do where you don't ever get all your citizenship status back. If you've ever been put in prison, you are no longer allowed to vote. There are certain rights you don't have. But in God's kingdom, if you go and come back, you still have all the rights of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. Hold it near and dear to your hearts. And remember, whatever happens in this political process really doesn't matter to us in the long run because we are citizens of a much better kingdom, a much more important kingdom. If you are not a citizen this morning, or if you are a citizen that maybe has turned your back on God, if we can do anything for you, why don't you come as we stand and sing?